This morning, I want to play something for you, and I guess I'll just try and play it into a mic, because it, it's a last-minute thing, but the Lord just impressed on me this morning that he wants me to play something for you. I, I'm, I apologize that I didn't have time to get it put into the system, um, but I warn you this morning, <laughs> it's one of those mornings where I don't know what he wants to say, I don't know what he's going to say, because I have about a million things swirling around in my, in my mind, in my heart, and oftentimes when I go before the Lord, I, I just say, you know, give me what you want, and he doesn't bring clarity until... I'm in the middle of it. But I do know he wants me to play this for you. This was almost two months ago. It was on a Sunday morning. It was the Sunday morning, and many of you will remember it. It was a a, a word that the Lord gave the Sunday after I came back from Nigeria. And and unfortunately, those online didn't get to hear this, so they'll they'll get to hear it today. And hopefully, if I just hold it up to the microphone here, you'll be, you'll be able to hear it. But you'll, you'll hear the tongues at the beginning. Sorry, I can't edit those out, honey. But uh, um, you'll hear those. But don't, don't skip over listening to those. It, ignore the fact that you'll hear me <laughs> kind of tearing up in the background. But listen to the tongues. Because you'll know, even just in the sentiment of what you hear, even though you don't recognize the words, it's going to put you in a place of understanding then what is interpreted and what he says. So, hopefully, you'll be able to hear this. Okay, we'll see. Isaiah, the 
Ukushu, Ukushu, you must have no you to do that. It's a Ukushu, you must have seen here, and so you must have seen here. I said, I'm going to show you, you must have. This is what I have longed for. 
became the Sunday that Corey was anointed and prayed over. And that was for the purpose of a confirmation to me that he was to be one of our elders. That was a special Sunday. It was the first Sunday I had gotten back but, see, my sister sent me this. I, I have it. Like I record everything, and then I tuck it away <laughs> in the archives. That's actually what I call it in my, in my journal, to look at this date under the archives, whatever. But she sent it to me this week, and, and there was just a single word, and it was remember. How often we forget. How often we forget some of the things that God puts right before us that we even come to a place of achievement for. But how quickly we forget what those are sometimes. And see, that's, that's what flooded me when I listened to this again. What I remembered was not the, the, the sweetness of our unity, what I remembered was God's reaction to it. What I remembered was him saying that this is something he's been looking for since the beginning. 
See, I find it extraordinary that, that as humans, and, and I can only speak as an American, I think, I think it tends to be heavy in America, but really it's, it's a human trait of accomplishment. And oftentimes we work so hard to accomplish, and then we come to the point of accomplishment, and we just rest on it. We let it ride. You know, we, we have this, this celebration and this sense of something just being accomplished that was so phenomenal and so great. And then it's like we feel we can rest on that. And in some ways we can. But boy, don't tell that to Paul. Paul never lived a day of his life that way. Paul lived his life that every day he pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, every day I renew my mind so that I might not fall short. So when I hear that, and I really reminisce about that morning, I look at what came into that morning. What built up to that morning? Why was that morning so special that God would speak that way to us then and he hasn't, you know, for three years? And it's because of what had built up and culminated the week before, the week that I was gone. It was the coming together in unity. It was the coming together in fighting for something that we had set before us that that we were told was going to happen and you need to fight. So we came together and we fought for each other. It wasn't just fighting for me. It was fighting for each other. But it was coming to a place to recognize that that fight is not out on the streets. That fight is not picking up a gun or a sword and going and physically doing something. That fight was on our knees. That fight was in prayer. But it it wasn't just prayer on our own. This fight was prayer in unity. We came unified together and we fought in prayer for a specific thing. That birthed in us something that was beyond us. It birthed in us an an understanding and an attitude that it's not just about me. It's not just about us individually. By the way, it's not just about our calling. It's not just about what he wants to do at Ignition Church. Bottom line, it's about what he said to us in response. He said, I am so pleased. He said, this is what I have longed for from the beginning. This is what I looked for before man ever fell, before man was ever redeemed. This is what I looked for. So what what do we think that is? It's obvious what it is. 
See, there's no real human success here. So you can't pin it on that. It's just hearts that hungered after God. That nothing else was important, was as important at that moment than what God wanted and what God was doing. That's what brought him pleasure because we were engaged with him. So what happens when we don't keep that at the forefront of our minds? Boy, Satan has a way of doing that. He has a way of bringing things, allowing things to come into our life that distract us from that. Things come into our life and take our mind off of what that sweetness was. We find ourselves just starting to churn again. Churning, 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 because we turn to accomplishment instead of settling in his peace. Man, and that's a tough, it's a tough line. I get it. It's a tough line because in, in the world, I believe, but certainly in America, it is all about pressing forward in that accomplishment. And, and by the way, I'm not against accomplishment. Please understand, I I hold God to all the promises that he has given Ignition Church, that he has given me, that he has given our family. I hold him to that because Isaiah 43 says he wants me to hold him to it and remind him of it. However, is that what drives me? Is that what drives you? Because when we don't stay in that sweet place of relationship with the Father, then we start to worry about other things. And then as those things, see, it's, it's just this tricky mindset. Because we're pushing forward with, with what we believe God has called us to do and what we believe the Lord wants. But we fall back in this place of accomplishment and place of trying to do it ourselves. And then what happens in our lives, in our minds, becomes twisted in recognizing that it's really got to be God in the first place. Because then when things don't happen and we have this struggle of pushing forward with things we know God's called us to do or called for our lives then we begin to formulate excuses. We begin to formulate reasons why it doesn't happen. And those reasons can be varied. We can take on this spirit of offense that, that this bothers me or that bothers me, and so I can't move forward because of that. Now, that's what's dragged our country down. Why do you think Donald Trump has the mouth that he has? I'm, I'm sorry, but you can't be a bull in the china shop and be politically correct. The two do not go together. But Lord, please bring that to your bride. Because your bride still feels this need to be politically correct. Where is iron sharpening iron? 
That's what the Bible says. We sharpen each other. We sharpen each other. Why? Because of love. Because I want that. I want what I experienced then. I want that sweet fellowship. I want the Father to look down on ignition and not be pleased because of our accomplishments. Be pleased because we love Him. Be pleased because we come together in unity and say, You are our God. And we give you everything. But the distractions of our daily lives, the distractions of our wants, the distractions of our hurts, of our offenses. And and by the way, that could come from being a little kid. We all have offenses that we grow up with that just become part of our DNA, part of our life. See, Satan wants to tell you that that's who you are. And God's saying, baloney. See, the more we realize how much he loves us, the more we realize that we don't have to have those distractions. We don't have to have those offenses because we don't have to have this attitude that something is due me. See, nothing's due me. Right? I don't deserve anything outside of Jesus Christ. But because of Jesus Christ, I deserve everything. Does that make sense? See, it's, it's, it's this paradigm shift of, of going from feeling the world owes you something to recognizing that Jesus wants to give you everything. Man, what a difference. In both cases, you end up with stuff, which is awesome, right? But it's in the paradigm of where that is owed and where that comes from. You want to be a leader? You better work through this paradigm. You cannot help other people if you have a place in your life where you're not seeking that every day. Seeking the Father to say, I love this. I love this fellowship. See, that morning was special because we had just come off this warfare. This warfare literally brought our church together. That marked the beginning of something very special for our church. Because we unified together for a single purpose. Not that we all, on our own, went after that and fought that. I mean, we do that. But that's not, that's not what was different. The difference came when we unified together in it. Well, warfare is not the only thing we need to unify together on. We're going to get real tired if that's all we unify together on. But you know that Sunday morning when he spoke, when he spoke through those tongues and, and he told us how much 
he loved us and how pleased he was with us. That wasn't about the warfare. That was about love. That was about pleasure in him. That was about intimacy with him. He was showing his intimacy back to us. Saying, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. This is where I want you to be. So we need to crave that. We need to crave that. And the only way you can, you can go after that and crave that is to understand who you are. Understand that you as a Christian, as one who has accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you have, call them rights, because that's exactly what they are. The Bible says you have the right to be called a child of God. So if, I'm, if I have this right to be called a child of God, and I look at the world, I look at those who do not have that, what should that do to my heart? Should that automatically place them on an equal playing field with me in terms of rights? No. No, see, they are severely lacking. They don't have the pedigree that I have. Now they can, by a simple understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he did and accepting him. But until they do that, see, they don't have what I have. So why in the world would I ever want to be worried about what they think? Why in the world would I worry about what they try to do to stop me? See, we can't be of the world, the Bible says. We have to be in the world. But we don't have to be of the world. We don't have to be subject to what it does. We don't have to be subject to what it says. And when we unify around this thing, this thing we call relationship, this thing that Jesus has said pleases him above all else, something really special happens. There's this unity that happens. There's this leadership that happens. This is something we got to get, folks. Because if we're called to lead the world, you don't lead the world through ability. Praise God. You don't lead the world through position. I learned that the hard way. I remember one of the first times that I was wanting to be a leader on a praise team. And I knew that the pastor wanted me to be that leader. But there was another leader there that wasn't leading. And in talking to that pastor, I said, I said, well, you can appoint me, so I have that authority. And he said, a title doesn't give you authority. He said, what gives you authority is the fact that you build that with that team. He said, so if you want to lead that team, go lead it. You will become the leader, whether it's title or not. Do you know it's the same way with us? We don't need a title. We don't need 
a building. We don't need a, anything external for us to be able to lead in this world. Because we have everything we need. When you can say, Father, put your words in my mouth, I give you my hands, I give you my feet, I give you my, my literal words, that's all you need. And then there's obedience. You know, just like, like Corey and Beth, they went up to this past, uh, uh, I think it was yesterday morning or something, but went up to visit some family. Although that's not where they were going, right? They were going just drop a dog off, right? And the Lord told them, no, you need to keep going and visit family up in Connecticut. Yeah. See, it's that obedience is what we need. They could have said, oh, Lord, we'll get, we'll get back so late, it, it, we won't get any sleep, we'll, blah, 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 blah. See, you can choose to be obedient and let the Lord do what he wants to do and see the results of that. Or you can put your own parameters on it and say, I can't, and here's the reason why, and then see how that works out. See, the problem is, for us to be to the point of what I just played for you, for you to be the, at that point in your own life in intimacy with him, it takes sacrifice. We've talked about that. It takes obedience. It takes understanding who you are in Jesus Christ. Why do you think for three and a half years now, he has literally been preaching through me the same message? It's almost like we could just hit repeat. Right? Relationship. 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 I'll say it again. See, this has to be about Him. It can't be about you and what you want. It can't be about me and what I want. I already got what I want. I don't have to die. I don't have to spend eternity in hell. See, I already got that. Everything above that is gravy. Everything above that is whatever pleases Him. Because, see, He didn't get anything out of that arrangement. Me going to heaven. Me accepting Jesus into my heart. God got nothing out of that relation, or out of that arrangement. Because he knew that those people that would understand his love would then allow him to get his portion, which is love, which is relationship, which is spending time together which is knowing who he is, opening his word, ingesting his word, spending time praying with him. But it's not just that. Because it's coming together. Remember when, when that, that lawyer said, Lord, tell us the two, or tell us the most important of the commandments. You know, I was love Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. My everything you have, love him. And by the way, love each other like yourself. Love each other with everything you've got. See, he tagged that into it, and that was not a New Testament concept, by the way. If you read Deuteronomy, it says the same thing. Even though it lists out ten commandments, and then you go to Leviticus, and there's about 600 more. 
It was still down to those two things. Jesus said, in those two things, the entire law is found. Love him with everything you are, everything you have. And then love each other like you love yourself. If we do that, we will be in that place of fellowship with him. And I don't know about you. I just crave that place. I just crave that place. You know, I I want you to do something in your own life. If you recognize these things that, that have been allowed to come into your life, that have been either distractions or they have taken you off course, I want you to understand something. See, Deuteronomy says that the thief, when he comes to steal, nothing happens except for when he's caught. When he's caught, he's forced to pay sevenfold. Do you understand what is being stolen from you? Do you understand that, that there is a joy and a peace and a happiness and a love that is being stolen from you when you are not pursuing Jesus Christ with everything, when you're not recognizing that time with Him, that relationship with Him. Something's being stolen from you. I want to, we don't have to turn there, but I want to look at, in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, verse 30, it says, People do not despise a thief if he seals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. Just go to the courts. Recognize that something was stolen from you to keep you from this relationship. And you can say, Lord, I demand in your court of the enemy, of the thief, to repay sevenfold. Now, don't, don't have a disconnect in your mind. It doesn't mean that then the thief is going to teach you how to be close to Christ. It's <laughs> not what it's saying. But the relief that will come from him will be sevenfold. We've used this even in our church. This thief that has tried to steal things from this church. We've been promised a building. Right? You think the thief wants to steal us, steal that from us. Absolutely he does. And he has tried. I think we, I can't remember if I announced it or whatever, but, but the, the building that the Lord has promised to us has got a contract on it now. Now, I'm excited because of that contract, they're redoing, they redid the parking lot. They're inside redoing all the building inside, getting it ready. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. I wish I could pick some colors or something, but we'll worry about that later. Okay, but if you don't think that's the thief trying to steal, then you're kidding yourself. Because the last thing the enemy wants is us unified and actually getting bigger. The last thing he wants is for this community to grow, not just grow in numbers, but grow in unity. 
grow with others coming in to relationship with Jesus Christ. And see, God's already doing that. He's doing that outside of here. We've mentioned before there are other people in other parts of the country that are as engaged with us as they would be if they were right here. See, God's bringing things together. But understand, the enemy wants to steal. And we got a notice last, was it Friday? No, it was Thursday. And, And this is something I wanted to announce. But I didn't want to announce it before the Christmas party because I didn't want you to be distracted from wearing all your crazy clothes and everything else. Awesome, Brian. A few of you, actually. But we got a notice of somebody who had complained about us being here in the house. And the county came by and said, you need to come into the county and talk about it. So my dad and I went in there on Friday, and they said, you can't be in a house. Very simply. They said, you can, you can apply for a permit, but you're too many people. So sorry, half of you got to go. <laughs> no. Do you think that that's the enemy trying to steal? Yeah. Because we've been here for three years, and we've never had any complaints. And yet, all of a sudden, recognize what the enemy does and then take him to task in the courts. See, we've already gone to the courts over this contract and we'll stay in the courts over this contract because if he is required to pay sevenfold, what I ask is whatever that contract is, that we be paid sevenfold. Now, it's probably a 10-year contract at six, $700,000 a year. See, that's like 70% of what the building's going to cost us. Awesome. Who would like a 70% discount on anything? I'll take a 70% discount on that building. See, but you have to go before the courts. It says here, but if he is caught, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you saw him and that he's caught because you saw him. It means because you recognized it and you did something about it. See, we have to go before the courts. We have to go before the courts this morning and we're going to pray at the end. We have to go before the courts this morning and say that the enemy is trying to literally force us to where we cannot meet. Do you think that's God's plan? No, I don't. I know it's not. As a matter of fact, when when my dad first told me about that, my reaction was, this is awesome. We're finally there. We're finally there for God to move us on to that next point. We're finally, hopefully, to the point where we don't have to set up this sound system every single service. Yeah. We're finally at the point where we can build something around those communities. Whatever he does. And you have to understand my heart. I don't care. I don't care what he wants to do. I don't care if he wants to put us in the back of a tractor trailer and go around and just have service in. By the way, that was what I wanted to do when I was a kid. (laughs) I know it's really the craziest thing in the world because I really didn't think through it all that well. I wanted to be a 
trucking preacher. That's what I wanted. I'll just go around and have services in the back of my truck because then I get to drive. My wife still does not understand the concept of a road trip. She, she prefers an air trip. She, she says, you take your road trip. Let me know where you're going. I'll meet you there by the air. And, 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 you know, and that's cool. Brooke and I did that back in 2006. She and I went to a family reunion in Colorado, and I wanted to drive. She and I drove with my dog, Max, and, and, and we drove. It was awesome. We broke down in everything. We broke down, spent 12 hours in a shop. It was awesome. We loved it. And, and Alexa, we just picked her up at the airport when she landed. <laughs> yes, she will be the... I don't even remember what my point was in that. Okay, but the, the, the whole thing is, we have to recognize when something's being taken from us. When something is different than what God says, or what the Word of God says, understand that there is an element behind that. Look at your own life, because it apply, certainly applies to us as a church, but it applies in your own life. When you seek God in relationship, and you see the things that He promises, see, He promises to never leave you or forsake you. He never said, I promise you will never feel left, or you will never feel forsaken. He didn't say that. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So what happens when we feel like he has left us somewhere? When, we, when he, we're in the middle of something and it's going wrong and it's not how it's supposed to be, and, and we feel like, Lord, you, you promised. See, he hasn't left. Our perception of what's going on has changed. And that, that works for your own life. If you find yourself in a place right now where it wasn't supposed to be like this. You know, I had my, my life kind of all mapped out and planned out. And, and yet now I find myself in, in, in this confusion. I, I, can't, I literally cannot see the next step. Jesus never left you. He's right there. He just said, I've hidden that next step. Why? For yours and my fellowship. Because if you want to know that next step, one, you've got to have faith and you've got to trust me. But two, you're going to come talk to me about it. You're going to spend time with me asking about that next step. Until you learn to be that type of person where you just take the next step. Why? Because you know God governs your steps. You've put on your armor that are the shoes of peace. I have peace in the direction that I'm walking because it's of God. And it's not of me. So it all comes back full circle to him wanting that relationship. Wanting that intimacy with you. And I don't know that we're going to get to Acts today. <laughs> Although I will say kind of, kind of ahead of time. Where we are in Acts is one of the most amazing things that has happened outside of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and offering salvation. The most amazing thing is what we're about to go through. 
And that is that the gospel, that relationship with Jesus Christ was opened up to you and me. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know any, any in here are Jewish, Jewish by nationality, pure Jewish. You kind of half raise your hand or are you just scratching your head? <laughs> See, salvation used to only be through the Jews because it was through the law. But that was never his intention. Talks about that in Romans, talks about that also in Hebrews. See, it was his intention to open it up to everyone. Because that relationship had to be personal. That relationship had to be where each one of us can seek him, but then we can also, as a group, seek him. Because that's what he gets out of it. He gets that relationship. Are you giving him that? Are you holding it back? Or do you even know that you're holding it back? Because oftentimes, we do things we just don't even really recognize. We don't even know because, have you ever been, I'm sure everybody has, I have, everybody has, been in this state of depression or or a state of heaviness where you, you just don't know how to operate outside of it. Right? We're, 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 we're stuck in this place where our, our world may be caving in. I, I remember when 9-11 hit, that, that was devastating to Alexa and I. And it was devastating on many levels, but financially for us, it was devastating. We, we had a transportation company at the time, and we had two major accounts in Tower 2, of, of the Twin Towers. In fact, our, our sales, uh, uh, our, our marketing manager was up there just the day before on the 82nd floor. And, and so when those came down, we did all corporate work. We didn't, you know, we did very little in weddings and stuff like that. We did all corporate work. And, and I remember our, our, our biggest account was MBNA at the time. And we did almost $100,000 a month with them, with them alone. Overnight, overnight, they canceled all their travel. They said no more commercial travel. I mean, we went from $100,000 a month to zero. And they were just our main account. They weren't, that's not counting the other accounts that did the same thing. So we're, we're just... You know, here we were, one of the fastest growing transportation companies in this area, and we were operating from New York City to Washington, D.C., and, and I mean, we had about 50 employees, and it was going like, I mean, we were growing. We were growing huge, and then this happened, and it went just off a cliff. I remember at the time, see, I, I didn't have the relationship with the Lord that I have now. Although I loved the Lord, I trusted him. And I at least knew that I could do that. I didn't know if he was going to take us out of that company or what he was going to do. I just knew that he's who I could go to and I could trust him. And we did. See, but my paradigm was, what can save this company? 
understand something. God will honor your paradigms. Because I was going to him on what will save this country, this 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 uh, this company. God, we we need to save this company. We need. I think at the time it was about a quarter million dollars. And this was just a few months after 9/11 because I didn't want to lay anybody off. Because the if you if those of you who were old enough to understand what was going on. The economy tanked. So I, I did not want to be that person that would lay off people at the same time that everything's going bad and they're not going to be able to find other work. So we just kept going further and further into debt. So we needed about a quarter million dollars just to cover what we had already spent. And no way to do it. So I, I said, Lord, you've you got to show me how to save this company, how to save these people's jobs. What I should have been saying is, Lord, what do you want? See, because what he really wanted, he wanted me out of it. He wanted my paradigm to be on him, not about what I had built. But see, he was faithful even in my paradigm. Because I asked him, what can I do? And there was an opportunity under basically an SBA loan that was specific to the, the tragedy, the 9-11 tragedy. And, and so in order to qualify for that, you had to show direct loss. And it, it was really made for the airline industry, right? That, that's what the whole thing was really for. But then they had some of these fringe things. Well, well I applied for it, and they said no. I applied for it again. They said no. And, and I said, Lord, this is literally it. So we went up to Niagara Falls, which is where the American side, which is where this SBA office was. And, and Alexa and I talked about it. And we're, we're just going to camp out there and make them understand our situation. And so we did, and I, I may have told this story before. Long story short, we're, we're staying there. They don't see people. We get up there, no, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know what? You're going to see me in the lobby every day until you let somebody talk to me. And finally, I think it might have been the second day or third day, they said, okay, come on up. We'll let you meet with, with a counselor. And we sat down with the counselor, and he, he's like, there's nothing I can do. You know, I, I know, I know that you wanted to see somebody, but you know, you're just sitting in the lobby. So we're gonna let you, you know, we let you see somebody, even though we're not supposed to. But there's nothing we can do. No, you, you've got to do something. You know, all these people. And long story short, we got the loan. We got the loan, and we were able to move forward. And and it took four years. Four years to gain back 60% of what we had lost. We never went further than 60%. And then we, then we sold the company. But see, God never left me nor forsook me, even though it was something that I was going after that he didn't necessarily want. Now looking back on it, I wish I had really gone after what he wanted. There are consequences to pushing what you want for yourself. Our consequences was that we ended 
that time when we sold that company, we, when all was said and done, we took on about a half a million dollars in debt. And it was because I didn't want to let the company go. I masked it, perhaps, in the people. I didn't want to let them go. I didn't want them to be out and all that. And to a certain extent, I masked it in that. Because in reality, I didn't want to lose what I had built. I didn't want to lose what that represented in my mind. Fifteen years worth of work. Fifteen years worth of going in and out of boardrooms, talking to them about how we can make their transportation services better. I didn't want to lose that because I felt pretty good about it. And, and then God began, because he knew my heart, and my heart was always, Lord, I want your will. Boy, when you say that, be careful. When you say, I love you, Lord, and I want your will, understand that you are going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. Because probably, when you say that, you're not exactly where he wants you to be. See, God sees in his book, when we say, open your book for my life, read it aloud into the courts. I want that book. See, that book looks different often than where we're at as people. So what you're saying to him, when you're saying, I want your will, you're saying, Lord, change my life to look like that. And I could just imagine him, you know, if he's on the other side of the phone, you know, how somebody's talking to you and, and, and then they pull the phone and say, he has no idea what he's asking. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. So over time, he begins to do that. Over time, he had begun to, to, to do that. And it, Oftentimes, I'm sorry, but he uses negative things to get our attention. I'll never forget when, when I finally came to the point when I was done. It was, it was on a trip. We went out to Illinois to visit her family. And because they live in Timbuktu, it's actually just about as fast to drive there as it is to fly. Not quite, but that's one of those road trips Alexis really loved. Because what is normally a 15-hour trip became a 30-hour trip. And it wasn't because of breakdowns. See, back then, they didn't have Internet cell phones. Right? You young people, life was tough back then. <laughs> they had the Internet, but the Internet was, you know, fairly new. And, and the only way I could get Internet was you could stop at a nicer hotel because they always had free Wi-Fi. So I'm on the road, I get a call, and there's a problem, and okay, i got to find a hotel. Find a hotel, pull up the Wi-Fi, try and deal with the problem, whatever, because all of our, stuff, all of our dispatching was online. 30 hours. And in that 30 hours, I, I, I can't remember what else happened. There were a couple things that happened, maybe... Oh, <laughs> yes, that wasn't good either. Yeah, try dropping your cell phone when you really need it really bad. Try dropping it in your drink and see how that works for you. So another reason why we had to keep stopping. But, and that was back when we had beepers, right? So I'm driving along and I get this beep, 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 911. Crap. I, I just said crap online, didn't I? Sorry. Sorry, honey. 
<laughs> yes. So, so you see this 911, and I'm just looking, how do I get this? So I find a hotel. and So 30 hours of this, we're walking into their house. must have been 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, Brooke, who was little at the time, and, and, and Alexis, you know, we're all crying. They're crying, I'm angry. Because, because just right toward the end, when we're going through the section that takes you into nothingness on the way to their house, there's no cell reception. Okay, so literally, one of our cars, one of our $80,000 stretch limos, okay, just had a horrible accident. And that's not the way, and it, it hit a deer on the turnpike. Okay, now when you hit a deer with a limo on the turnpike doing about 80, yeah, that, that deer kind of messes things up. And what was worse is he had one of our most important clients in there. Okay, so, so now I'm, I, I'm just like beside myself, don't even know what to do, and, and then I get into this you know, area where I have no reception of anything anyways. We finally get to their house. They're crying. I'm angry. I'm walking in the thing, and I'm just done. I am done. Sell it. Don't sell it. I don't care. Let me dig a ditch. I don't care. I don't want this life anymore. Can you imagine what God was saying? He's like, yes. He finally gets it. He finally gets it. I wish I, it, it, it's almost like, you know, Lord, you could have told me this. You know, you could have told me this ten years ago. And he's like, no, because it wouldn't have been in your heart. See, our heart has to go after him. Our heart has to recognize that the external things that we deal with are just that. They're external things. It's not the real reality. We've talked about that. So in your own life, if you're saying to God, I want your will, but then you're recognizing these things that stop you from understanding who you are in Jesus Christ, know that that's a thief. Recognize that something is being stolen from you. And go to war. Go to war over it. Go to the courts and say, just like that widow that went every day and said, this isn't right. I need justice in this. This isn't right, Lord. It's not right that that building is being taken away and has a contract. Why? Because I want the building? No, I never wanted the building in the first place. I never knew the building. I just wanted the Lord's will. He's the one that told us. That was his will. So in going after his will, I say, Lord, this isn't right. This is not what you had planned. This is not what you had said. I come before your court and I, I proclaim that that is ours because you said it. And now, Lord, we come before you because we're being forced in a different direction. See, we're being forced out of the place that we've been for three years now. Lord, this isn't right. We recognize this is a thief. And we demand restitution. Now, I'm excited. I'm excited that this thief was stupid enough 
to go after that and think he wouldn't be recognized. Because now we have legal claim. You know something, I asked the Lord this. And, and he had told me this a few other times, but I had, I had asked for confirmation, and he finally gave me confirmation on this. This is extraordinary. I, I've told a little bit about my lineage, right? I have a 10th generation back grandfather that lived in this area, in the Newark area, three, over 300 years ago. Okay, and this is all documented stuff. Over 300, this was before Newark was Newark. By the way, this was before Delaware was Delaware. This was back with William Penn. He and his father came over with William Penn at the same time. He was part of that land deal where he took, he bought 400 acres, he and his brother, bought 400 acres in what is this area. Now we don't know exactly where because it was marked by the big oak down to the big rock by the river, you know. Things were a little different back then. But we know basically the area. And I, I remember first time I, I, I thought of that, I thought, boy, there's something, there's something connected with that land and the land that you have given us for this building and specifically College Square, which is where we eventually will be. And Lord was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And he showed me, do you know, there are two, I may have said this before, but there are two um, churches that my grandfather, 10th generation back grandfather, was part of, of uh, he was part of these churches. He's, he, he's right on the register, everything else, probably helped build the building. I don't know. But, uh, but I have been to both of these buildings because they're still standing. The graveyards around them are still there. And most of the gravestones you can't read because they're all faded off by now. But, but I've walked through these buildings that have been there over 300 years. And, and I remember him telling, the Lord telling me at that, at that time that, that where I have you guys going is linked with this. So I, I've been asking for confirmation on this. And the Lord finally gave it to me. And he said... The reason why we are going to, why this building and specifically College Square is so important is it's because it was the very land that he owned over 300 years ago. In fact, the Lord said his house was on, he didn't tell us where on College Square, but I know where. He may not have confirmed that part, but... He's, he's told me that part. It's right, that prayer tower that we're going to build right in the middle of it. That's where his house was. Now, believe it or not, really doesn't matter. Because he's confirmed that to me. So I have a right to go back and say to this, to this destroyer specifically in the court of heaven that he is now caught. He is a thief. He stole that even from my grandfather ten generations ago. He confirmed that as well, that it was taken from him by manipulation. He also promised that he would give us a lot more detail on that that we can, that we can prove out. Just like he did my grandfather. When, when, when he told us that to start looking, right? he just said a name to go through this avenue. And I, I think it was on my mother's side 
maybe three generations back, he gave this name, which I didn't know the name. But my sister and my father started researching that. And that's what took us back to this person, John Davis, or Davies, however they pronounced it back then. All right, nobody, his son that was born in Newcastle, left, went to South Carolina. Until me, I'm the first one that's come back to this area. You think that's a mistake? No. See, God doesn't do mistakes. Sometimes it takes him a bit to get us onto the same page as him. Like I used to just cry out, Lord, why Delaware? Seriously. (laughs) Why in the world? I mean, I've lived in Southern California. Beautiful, amazing. Learned how to surf when I was a kid. I, I was literally, when skateboarding was invented, I was right there. I skated on the first skate park ever built. And I almost broke my wrist. (laughs) I learned how to surf out there. Southern California is so beautiful. But then he takes me to Colorado. (laughs) Colorado, I'm sorry. I, I just, I ask the Lord, if I get to rule anywhere in your kingdom, let it be at least Colorado or better. I've never been anywhere better that I like better. (laughs) But, so, you could have chosen one of those. But he brings me to Delaware. Delaware, that their idea of a mountain is, is the, is the what, is, what is it, Cherry Hill, where it's the refuse station? And it's built up so high, it's the highest point in Delaware. It's, it's this landfill. There's no skiing on a landfill. No snow, well, there's no snow, but yeah, even, even if there was snow, it's like, okay, you know... And he brings me here. So see, I had to recognize that, Lord, you brought me here for a reason. And now I look back at my life, because we've been here, I don't know, 23 years now. I've I've lived here longer than anywhere in my life. That's sad. That's very sad. No, I I know. My wife's shaking her head at me like, people love Delaware. I do love Delaware. I love it because this is where I'm supposed to be. I love it because of the people that he's connected me with. I would love it a lot more if they had a big mountain and skiing. (laughs) But you know what? He gives us joys. I know everybody hated the snow the other night, but I loved it. I'm sorry, Beth. I loved it. And clearly, he listens to me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) See, you just need to embrace it. Embrace it. But in your own life, you know, if you could look at where he wants you to go, and all it takes is just going after him. See, if I would have at the beginning, even even probably before Emerald, which was our transportation, transportation company, even before the company we had before that, or the other company before we had that, If I would have sought him and his will, he may not have taken me down those paths. But yet the Bible says what the enemy intends for bad, God turns to good. He used all of that to teach me to let him control things. And and obviously he taught me things in, in the meantime, 
But look at your own life and what you've been through, even as a young person, what you've been through to learn the things that you know now. Well, listen to somebody who is older and been through it. And let me tell you, if you seek him right now, if you seek his heart, seek his will, and don't put the parameters around you that this world tells you to put, he's going to do amazing things in your life. I promise you, you won't have to go through 25 years of figuring it out like I did. Of learning things the hard way, like I did. Praise God, I learned. But it didn't have to be that way. How often is that the case in our lives? See, if he's calling you to prayer, which by the way, he is. That that doesn't have to be a question. You don't need to to sit down and ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me to pray? Do you want me to be a part of this corporate prayer? Let me just answer for him. Yes, he does. So when you when you go and you engage in these things that he wants you to be engaged in, when we step out in obedience in the small things, he begins to do and reveal the bigger things. Many of us in here have had prophecies over our lives. Many of us have had, had prophesied, someone prophesy and say, this is what the Lord is going to do this in your life. Do you understand that does not mean it's automatic, even if he said it? That does not mean that will happen, even if he said it. Because you have a free will. You have a choice. See, this partnership is exactly that. God wants to work in your life, but there has to be workability. You have to work together. See, do you think it surprised Moses when he was promised the promised land and yet was never allowed to enter it? That had to be a pretty big shock to him. And what's worse is he wasn't allowed to enter it Not because it was God's will, but because of disobedience. See, he made the people think that God was angry with the people. Now, I mean, God had plenty of times where he was angry with the people, don't get me wrong. But that wasn't one of those times. And Moses portrayed to the people that God was angry in what he did. And because of that, the very thing that was promised him, he was not able to enter into. Think about Abraham. You know, he was promised this child. What does God do when he gives it to him? You need to come and sacrifice him to me. Now, thankfully, Abraham was obedient and did it because he trusted God. Hebrews 11 said he grew in his faith. Because, see, he could have said, There's no way I'm going up that hill. No, Lord, you promised, and I don't need to do that because you promised, you fulfilled your promise. I have him done. End of story. See, Abraham had that ability to choose to do that. When you have a prophecy over your life or the Lord has promised you something, And he said he wants to do it in you. Understand you have a responsibility and an obligation to work with him on that. 
doesn't mean that that prophecy will automatically come true, even if God said it. However, if you seek his will and you continue stepping in obedience to his will, that promise is sure. We will be in this building. We will have seven places in this nation that we build bases and go out from there. We will be a movement in this world. Why? Because I don't have to do it. But I do have to be obedient and step where he wants me to step and do what he wants me to do. But you have the same obligation See, just because God has called you to Ignition Church doesn't mean that you are going to be part of that promise. You have to receive that. You have to accept that. You have to step in that. Because you can choose to socialize and step against God's will in your life. That doesn't mean he's going to hold up the promise for everybody else. Well, I'm just going to hold this up until everybody gets it. Now, see, what he's going to do is move forward because it's time. It's time to move forward. So, see, it's time to be serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know it's so easy to tune me out on this because you hear this all the time, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you that you pursuing that relationship with him is what will keep you in the promises that he's given you, in the promises that he's given ignition. We have to step in obedience. I know that's, that's a scary thing sometimes because obedience will always include something you don't want to do. See, we like our securities. We like our jobs. We like that paycheck. You know, we like our friends. I'm, I'm comfortable with my friends because I, it's so hard to make new friends. And I know my friends are a little, you know, they're kind of off in that direction. But, but you know, better me just to, I'll, I'll, you know what, I'll be a light to them. I'll be a help to them. <laughs> I, I mean... Praise God for whatever light you can be, but you better be in his will. You better be sent there. I remember, I, I've told this story before too, but I remember uh, the, the year I worked as a bouncer. You know, I, I, went, I went to these dance clubs because I wanted to go to the dance clubs. I went there because that's where all my friends were. And those are the relationships that I enjoy. I knew it wasn't what God wanted. But my excuse was I didn't drink. I didn't drink. I'll be a light for you. I mean, that's like opposite of everybody there. Imagine, Lord, the testimony I will have. I'm really helping you out here. <laughs> Don't we justify it in that way? See, we justify our lives based on what we feel comfortable with. And what we want to do, it's not always our, because of desires. Oftentimes it's because of fear. I don't want to step forward because I'm afraid. I don't want to be forced to, to make new friends because I don't make friends that easy. And I'm afraid. 
oh man, if you could just see Jesus holding his arms out for you and say, I've got all that covered. I've got it all covered. You just have to trust me. You just have to step in sequence with me. Be obedient to that sequence and to what I'm telling you. And you will never lack. What you think you're losing, you will gain ten times over. That's just how he is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. And we thank you, God, that it is as simple as saying yes and being willing in obedience to step. I pray for everybody in here. I pray for this church, God, that will get that, that will understand the fact that it's not a single road that we travel down by ourselves, even with you, but it's a road where we lock arms and unify with this family because that's what you've called us to do. It was after that that you said this is a glimpse of what you see in the bride that you want. It was after that unification that you did that. It was after that week of, of being on our knees together, being on that prayer call every night. Oh Lord, help none of us to think that that does not apply to us because it applies to everyone. Seeking you, trusting you, that even though our world, our whole world, may look different than what you want it to be, we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be discouraged like it's a loss. Father, open up our eyes to recognize our gain. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's so interesting to, when God um, connects some of the things that he's been laying on my heart with what he's been laying on Greg's heart without even a conversation about it, because we were talking in the ladies' class about uh, the strategy that we're on in our study, Fervent, is on purity. And purity, walking in purity, is from the perspective of, of protection because of the whole courts thing. That, you know, when you have something that you, um, when you sin, that the enemy is able to come into your life and take it before the courts and, and gain access into your life because of that sin. And, you know, it's interesting what he was just saying at the end God has got a process. And everything about purity is that you're walking each step. It's not like becoming pure in one fell swoop for the thing that God wants to do in your life. It is, it is the culmination of every single small step that you take each day. And, you know, it's just like, um, you know, any example, like becoming a, an Olympic athlete. You know, you think, okay, well, that's what I just want to be, so I'll just be that one day. But that doesn't happen in just some, I'm just going to become that. Almost like it's going to somehow pop into existence. 
Um, I've, I've been amazed at people in the Olympics when you hear their testimony and that they start as children, you know, training, like ice skating or whatever. And they start very young learning how to basically live their lives with the mindset and the purpose and the training for the Olympics. It's, it's just some lifelong thing. You, you rarely, if ever, hear about somebody stepping into the Olympics as an older person. If I just decided right now, oh, well, I'm a fitness trainer, I'm decently strong, I'll just, I want to step into the Olympics to be such a, it's, it's, it's like, no, it, it takes certain steps, certain kinds of training. And the whole thinking of, of purity is, um, is each day, every little step that you take is what makes for a pure life. And God does kind of work with us in, you know, step-by-step way, and, and one burden that I have for Ignition is as we hear this, this destiny where God's calling us, I think there's a disconnect in, like what Greg was saying, that, that what, how you think now, what you do, how you pursue the Lord, that it somehow doesn't really have to do with what you want to do in life. One of the verses that, that I memorized from a long, long time ago is Psalm 37, verse 4, which says, um, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The, the thing that always stood out to me about the verse is he'll give me the desires of my heart. And man, that huge mistake that we made with our company, we prayed, God, you know this is a desire of my heart. Save the company. We, we missed the whole first part of the verse, which is delighting in him and his will. And so is that maybe one of the ways that Satan has deceived you, that you go before the Lord and say, Lord, and, and there's two, two sides of it, because for younger people, it's, Lord, you know what I want to do with my life. Please bless it. Please, you know, create this pathway to for me so I can do what I want to do. Because you know, Lord, you know what I want to do. For older people, it's, Lord, you know what I can't do. So please just make my life, you know, in a way that is within the ability that I have now with all the things that I can't do anymore. You know, it's still very limiting. It's all limiting with with our desires to either not do, because we've been doing that for so long, or our whole life is ahead of us. And both are so dangerous, because it has to be, God, what do you want me to do? I don't understand why I do now, because of the mistakes and whatever things that we've made. But it's like, Lord, why this calling at the you know beginning, mid of our 50s? Why... Why this journey that he's shown us glimpses on that I'm thinking, man, if, if we were 35, it just would make so much more sense. We'd still probably feel old compared to the things that he, he's calling us to. And he's, he waited. And, and, of course, you know, the big thing that he keeps saying is, you know, why don't you just review Moses and, you know, how old he was when, when that started for him. But I don't understand God's timing and reasoning. I just know that... God works with us every single day, and he uses us in different areas when we finally get it, because he, he deals with us on each step that we're in. So don't let yourself be disconnected. Your faithfulness to, for instance, the prayer call, has everything to do with how God will use you in what you believe your calling is. Amen. The two are linked. And it's you know, it's kind of like like anything that we that we disconnect. You know, we we often don't think that these things, these the stewarding of my day to day life, my destiny depends on what I do today. How do I steward my life today? What is my attitude? What is my prayer life? How do I love others? How do I 
when I have a crossroads of whether I'm supposed to do something or not do something, that I choose obedience. All of my existence today has to do with my destiny. It's not just I'll hang out, I'll hang out, I'll wait, I'll just live my life, and then, man, Lord, okay, I'm waiting for my, waiting for my destiny, waiting for my promise. No, I step into that with what I do today. So what you're going to do today does affect everything that is in your future. And so um, that's just probably the biggest thing. If, if you could be a, have a takeaway from the message today is connect the dots that what you're, when you're faithful with little, you'll be able to be rewarded with more, and, and God will give you more to be faithful with. And so it's the same, and we've mentioned this downstairs with the ladies' class, it's, it, you know, it's even like tithing. We often have this mindset, we don't even realize we do, it's just almost like it's common sense. Well, Lord, when you give me money, I'll tithe. You know, you know I don't have money. But yet God says, yeah, but if you have five loaves and two fishes, that's barely enough lunch for you. But I still gave that to you. You could tithe off of that. That's how the baskets get filled. That's how when you reach back in for the next fish, you'll notice, oh, huh, there's more, there's more. Now there's, now there's more for so many more things. And then you come into the blessing of 12 baskets left over. What? After all, you, you fed all the 5,000 people? So it's starting with the little. And, you know, he's still teaching us that every day. I, I'm learning every day things that I'm thinking. He's just saying... Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you, I, want to, I want you to know, now it's time. Because every, every day is like a new um, lesson in the school of my relationship with him. Where he's like, today, Alexis, you're going to learn that this has to do with what you've been asking me for over here. I need, I need you to be more aware of this. I need you to, you know, walk in my peace more. I need you to give this up. I need you to step up a little bit more. Because I know you're asking me for this. And what you don't yet understand is that this connects to this. You know, it's like the child, um, which does happen even with the vine. Oh, my stomach hurts so bad. It just hurts so bad. And it's, and she even said recently, she's like, uh, I am never going to eat such and such again. <laughs> you know, because you just don't know sometimes how it affects you. I did that one time when I was a little kid. I ate an entire, um, same something. The candy was not limited that night. And so I just went ahead and took advantage of the limitless uh, whatever. I got so sad, to this day, I just, the thought of eating this candy, it's kind of like a Tootsie Roll, but it's some sort of a chewy taffy kind of thing. Ooh, just makes me ill. But anyway, I ate it to my heart's content, and then the next day, and through that night, I mean, I was praying, Lord, I'm dying here. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's funny, in our ignorance as children, you just kind of go, well, honey, that, it's because you, you didn't connect that this indulgence is now why you're crying out to me over here. You know what I mean? Like, if you use that metaphor, it can be applied in so many different ways. God wants us to steward our relationship with him, or we're going to end up crying out to him about why something's going really awry. Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't mean that there aren't trials and things that hit us um, that are without authority, and we understand that in the courts. But, um, but God just wants us to connect the dots and understand that every step we take with him is for a purpose. There's no just lapses of time with him. And he does want to be included in every single thing we do. I've noticed that this season, that he keeps me anchored, that every single thing, every, you know, like, Lord, help me figure out Christmas gifts, because I'm so, you know, I'm limited, but help me to give me, give me the best deals, help me to be careful and steward this, and not be wasteful here. And, um, and it isn't just do's and don'ts, it's including him. 
And, and it's interesting how um, when you allow him to help you steward the details, then all of a sudden when the bigger things come, you're already in that mode, you're already in that mindset of not my will but thine be done. Yes. Because you understand that he cares about all those things. I really think that's why we don't connect the dots. is because we don't really think God is in the little things. Yeah. Well, you're in my destiny, God. But, you know, I mean, right now I'm just, you know, reading a book and watching a movie and hanging out. No, he's there. And when we don't connect that, that's when we make the mistakes is in the little things. Yeah. We, we totally mess up. And don't think that it'll have a, a consequence. And, and boy, we, I just look back at our, I mean, reliving that story, praise God, there's therefore now no condemnation. Because I look back at some of the foolish mindsets that we had and, and self-centered, God, you've got to fix this for me. You know I want it. It was never, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. You know, what are you trying to say? Yeah. And, and, you know... He's, he's so good. He redeems. He restores. He's, he's awesome. So, um, as I say every week, I do hope you'll listen to the podcast again and to the messages again online because it really is um, helpful to just get a new perspective. Even what you're feeling. You know, some of you may be tired, maybe distracted, maybe had a rough morning. When you listen to it again in a different mindset or place where you are physically, sometimes you gain new information completely. And the Holy Spirit can really um, land new um, truths just fresh on your mind when you go back and listen to a message. So I hope you will. Um, the only thing I want to mention to you today by way of my own announcement is uh, for the women's retreat,